Hallelujah. It is good to be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm so honored that you are here. We're going to continue in worship by studying God's word, looking to hear from him today. Before we do that, I want to encourage you to uh, meet someone around you. If you're here in our sanctuary, get to know them. Your question for the day is how long have you been coming to Antioch? So introduce yourself and ask them, how long have you been coming to Antioch? If you're watching online, worshiping with us online, we're so honored that you're here. We want to encourage you to jump in the chat and let us know where you are watching from, where you're worshiping from as we gather together as church family. So meet and greet someone around you, and then we'll jump into God's word. If you could take a seat, take a seat. Man, it is so good to be with the people of God. This last year has just been so disruptive, and it's awesome when we have times where we can come together, whether that be in person or online. We want to be a warm church, and so we're going to practice this as best we can with the face masks and social distancing and everything. But I'm excited to be with you because we're starting into week two of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Everyone say week two. And we are fasting from media. Uh, these three weeks that we're in, we're fasting from media so we can turn down the background noise of our lives. We can turn down YouTube. We can turn down Netflix. We can turn down Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. We can turn all those things down, turn news sites down so that we can tune in to the Lord's voice. How many of us know we need to hear the Lord afresh at the beginning of 2021? Amen. Amen. So that's what we're going after. Last week we started, and I don't know about you, uh, it's taken me a little bit to get moving with this uh, media fast. I found my thumbs sometimes move faster than my brain. And I had websites open before I realized, oh, no, 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 we're not doing that right now. So I had to delete some apps on my phone to make it a little bit harder to access stuff that I'm trying to say no to in these 21 days. And so if you're in the same place, you're in good company. Now, uh, during the middle of the week, we got together Zoom with some people in our neighborhood to share what our one big things were personally, the things that we've encouraged everyone to identify, to pray into during this time of prayer and fasting. And it was awesome to be able to connect with community and to share our one big thing and to pray with each other. I know our life groups all across our church were doing that this week. That's awesome. And I want to talk to you today about your one big thing. In fact, the title of my message is Hannah, George Mueller, and your one big thing. And there are three things that I want you to know that I believe the Lord wants you to know today. I believe I've come today with a message from God for you. 
And I say that not because I'm some great spiritual leader, but this is straight out of scripture. This is God's word to you. And it's based around three big ideas. So if you don't get anything else today, walk away with these three things. Number one, God wants to provide. I believe God wants you to know today that he wants to provide, that he is a provider. Number two, God wants to provide for you. So not just big idea in general that God wants to provide, but that God wants to provide for you. God wants to provide for you. And number three, God wants to provide for you through your prayers. God wants to provide for you through your prayers. So to help us all hone in on those three things, we're going to say them together. So we're going to go first one. God wants to provide on the count of three. One, two, three. Good. Second one, God wants to provide for you. Now let's just spin that a little bit because it's easy to say God wants to provide for you. It's more challenging to say God wants to provide for me, right? So I want you to say God wants to provide for me. Me being you, you get the idea. Number three, God wants to provide for us through our prayers. Okay, those are the three big ideas that I want to share with you today, that I want to put before you, that I believe the Lord wants to speak to you. And these are important. The reason why you should care, the reason why you should lean in. First one, why is it important to know that God is a provider? Because when we know that he wants to provide, it gives us new revelation about who he is. And revelation transforms our relationship with God. It takes God from a distant deity that we might have some ideas about to this realization, this revelation that God wants to provide. That's who he is. And so it helps us build a strong relationship with God. And my guess is you showed up to church today or you turned on YouTube so that you can grow in your relationship with God. And as we know, or as we remember and let it sink in at a deeper level that God wants to provide, it helps us to know him more and it builds our relationship with him. Amen. Amen. Second thing, why? God wants to provide for you. Why is this important? This is important because I want you to know that you have a significant calling in the Lord. That God has a calling on your life. You are not an accident. You are not happenstance. You are not a second-class citizen in the kingdom of God. No, God has a calling on your life that is significant that is powerful, that he has appointed and anointed you for. God has a calling on your life. But that calling is so important, so powerful, so significant, that it is bigger than the resources that you and I have to operate in in our own strength. And what I mean by that is me just with what I have and you just with what you have is not enough to fulfill the call that God has put on your life. It's not enough. Your calling is too significant. So you won't ever fulfill your calling without knowing that God wants to provide for you because God not only wants to call you to things, but he wants to provide the resources along the way. He wants to provide the gifts. He wants to provide the relationships. He wants to provide the open doors. He wants to provide the finances. He wants to provide the opportunities, right? He wants to provide and you need God's provision in order to fulfill the calling that God has on your life. So if you care about your calling, you need to know this today. 
third reason why this is important. Why does God want to provide through our prayers? Why is that important? Because this is one of the keys. It's one of the keys that unlocks the door of God's provision. God wants to provide, God wants to provide for you, but if we don't know that the way that we access that provision is through prayer, we won't be able to access the resources that are ours. How many, how many of you in here are big Venmoers? Any Venmo fans? We got a few. Okay, Venmo is a way, I think more of you uh, are fans than raise your hand, but I'll give you a pass, right? Venmo is a way to uh, send money to people. And sometimes I'll get a text that somebody has sent me some money from, you know, we split a restaurant bill or something like that. And it'll say, so-and-so Venmoed you, you know, $9. Now that's great. That resource is there for me, but unless I've set up how to transfer it into my bank account, I can't access it. So it doesn't do me a lot of good. In the same way, God has provision for you, but if we don't know how to access it, we're not gonna be able to receive what God wants for you and me to have. So we need to know that God wants to provide because it builds our relationship with him. We need to know that God wants to provide for us because it empowers us for our calling. And we need to know that God wants to provide for you and for me through our prayers because it gives us the means to access his provision. And we're going to think about these things. We're going to learn about these things. We're going to dig into these things today. And the way we're going to do that is through starting in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Samuel is a book in the Old Testament. I want to encourage you to open your Bibles, pull out your phone. We want to go to God's word together. And we're going to read a beloved story about a woman named Hannah. Now remember, the title's message is Hannah, George Mueller, and you. So Hannah's important for what we're going to be looking at. It's 1 Samuel chapter one, and we're going to start in verse nine. First Samuel chapter one, starting in verse nine. Now, as you turn there in your Bibles, I'm going to give you a little background on the story we're about to read. Hannah is married to a gentleman who had two wives. Now we're not doing a marriage conference today. I'll just say from the beginning, no to two wives. Yes to one spouse, right? Okay. So so, but Hannah, back in the day, is how they did things. She was part of a family with one man, two wives, and there were kids that the second wife had. Hannah had been barren. Now, they begin to have some disagreement in their family. The second wife, who has the kids, doesn't like Hannah, as you can imagine. Husband's giving attention to someone else. So, she would provoke Hannah. She would mock Hannah. She would dog Hannah. She would tear her down because Hannah was barren. Hannah had not been able to have children. In their day, a woman's significance was largely around the children that she could bear. We know that a woman's significance is much larger than that, but in their culture at their time, that's what they believed. And so the fact that she could not have children, the other wife was like, you're trash. I'm better than you. Nobody like you. Just would dog her. All day long. And this would make the pain worse. How many of you have ever had a situation where you're in pain and things people are saying to you make it worse? That's Hannah. Year after year after year after year. One year, the family, all of them have gone up to the temple to worship. And Hannah, again, is just wrestling with the sadness, the disappointment, and this friction within her family. 
And her husband comes to her and he's trying to figure out what's wrong and he says something really dumb. Any husbands in here ever said anything really dumb? Yes, we got lots of amens there. Lots of wives are saying amen silent. Got a wave offering in the back on that. Right? He says something dumb in her pain. He, he just, you can read it later. You can study it this afternoon. I mean, he just says something dumb. That's kind of the last straw. And it's like, I'm out of here. I need to go meet with the Lord. Her pain had driven her to a place of desperation. And she goes up to the temple. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. So I want you to pick me up in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9. Once they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. This is right after her husband said something really dumb. Now, Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. So the priest back in the day, his name was Eli. He's sitting on a chair outside of the temple, the Lord's house. And in her deep anguish, verse 10, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you only look on your servant's misery and remember me and forget not your servant, but if you would give to her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. So she goes to the Lord in her pain and she's crying out. She said, God, if you would just remember me, and you would give me a child, I will commit him to you all the days of his life. When she makes the comment about the razor, that was a sign of devotion to the Lord if you had not had your hair cut. So she's saying, I'm gonna commit him to you, Lord, all the days of his life. Verse 12, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli, remember he's the priest, he observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. And Eli thought she was drunk. So he said to her, woman, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. I don't know if you've ever been in a worship service where someone is going through a lot of pain and they're just praying fervently to the Lord, but Hannah is just pouring her heart out. And it looks a little weird. It looks a little bizarre, like the priest is like, I don't know what is wrong. This must be like a drunk lady who stumbled in here. I don't know what's wrong. Like, woman, why are you here drunk? And Hannah responds in verse 15. She says, not so, my Lord. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. In the midst of her pain, in the midst of her anguish, in the midst of her grief, she was going to the Lord. Church, what I want you to know is that we have a God that we don't need to come to with everything buttoned up and everything perfect in our lives. That we have a God that we can come to and we can pour out our anguish and our grief. And in 2020, I know a lot of us have been through a lot of anguish and grief. And I want to encourage you and commend you today that just as Eli was asking her, hey, are you, have you been drinking? Like, is that what's going on? It's so easy to run to other things in our anguish and our grief. But Hannah ran to the Lord. 
And part of why we're turning off the media to tune into the Lord's voice is that we don't want to run to other things to numb or pacify our anguish and our grief. But we as a community, we want to turn to the Lord and we want to pour out our hearts to him. Thank you. Verse 17, Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. Hannah responded, she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshiped the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. So the family returns. Elkanah, her husband, made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Now, this has to be one of the most loved stories in the Bible, because I think we can all relate to times of being in great pain or great anguish, and there's something about the fact that we serve a God, that we have a God who would care about our anguish and our grief would care about the anguish and the grief of a barren woman who her society would have looked down on her, but God did not. Her husband mocked her pain and kind of just glossed over it. The priest is like, I don't know what to do with you, but God knew and God saw. And God saw her heart. God saw her pouring out her heart. And there's something that just resonates with us when we read that because we're all hoping and wanting a God that is like that. And church, I want you to know that is who our God is. God is a provider. Hannah named her son Samuel so that all the days of his life, when she called his name, on the good days when he was bringing a lot of joy to the family, and on the days where he was giving her headaches, that every time she called her name, it would be a, uh, called his name, it would be a reminder, you're the one I prayed for. You're the one that God provided. You're the one that at one point was a hope, a prayer, a tear, a worry, and now you are standing in front of me. But it's not just for Hannah that God was a provider. We see all throughout scripture that our God is a provider. In fact, one of the names that God gives to himself in the Old Testament is Jehovah Jireh, which means the God who provides. Now, I've got several names my given name is James Zachary Daniel. So if a telemarketer calls, they're going to call me James. Uh, if a family member who I haven't seen in a long time, if they talk to me, they're going to call me Zachary. You probably are going to call me Zach. My kids call me dad. Sometimes I get Mr. Daniel. When I was a teacher, I got Mr. Daniel a lot. All of those names point back to me somehow. They're a part of who I am. Our names signify who we are. And God gave his name, I'm Jehovah Jireh, I'm the God who provides. Pastor Tony Evans breaks down the word like this. He said, the root word of the name Jireh literally means to see, to see with the eyes. Yet the compound name when put together means to provide. So this is saying it's not only that God sees the need, which is amazing, but we have a God who provides for those needs. This idea of God providing is not just a name that he gives to himself in the Old Testament reserved for some heroes of long ago. 
But this is what God does for humanity in sending his son, Jesus. He provided the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. Church, we have all been provided for. Our God is a provider. It's who he is. And I want you to know that today because I want your relationship with God to be built. I want it to be strengthened. I want you to know that when you have pain in your life and anguish, you have a God who cares and who provides. Now, when I first started learning about this story, reading this passage, I was like, this is amazing. Jehovah Jireh, this is so cool, God, about who you are. But there is a big difference between believing God is a provider and God will provide for me. There is a huge difference in those two things. Because it's easy, at least for me, to be like, oh, yes, God, you're a provider. But when I get in a situation where I need God to provide, oh, now that little glory wave offering on church is like, is this going to be real? Is God really going to provide? And if you've ever faced a fire that you don't know what to do with and you've needed God to come through, you know what I'm talking about. And so it's not enough for us just to know that God wants to provide. We have to know that God wants to provide for us. And I was wrestling with this and struggling with this, and a friend gave me a book about the topic. Now, this book was, honestly, it was small. The graphic designer who did the cover probably should have paid the author. It was that bad. Like, it did no favors to the book. I don't know if you've ever seen those, but I mean, this was just like, why would anyone want to read this? But my friend said, hey, just read this. It's all about God providing So I said, okay, I'll read the book. It was short. I'll give it a chance. And as I opened the pages, I read a story about a man named George Mueller. And the testimony of George Mueller changed my life. This book literally changed my life. There are not many books that you can say that about, but reading this story changed my life because it took this big idea that God wants to provide down to a really personal thing of God wants to provide for me and God wants to provide for you. So I want to share with you a little bit about George Mueller and why it impacted me and why I believe the Lord wants you to know about him and let it encourage you. You'll see his picture on the screen. George Mueller was a German man who lived in the 1800s. He had a heart for the Lord. He had a rebellious childhood and teenage years, came to the Lord and loved Jesus. And in the time that he lived, there were a significant amount of orphans in Britain. The Industrial Revolution had radically changed the economy, had radically changed and was changing the way that families worked. And one of the casualties of that is so, as so often is the case when there's big change, is the children of the nation. And so there were all these kids who had been orphaned either by their parents passing or moving away because times were tight and the kids were on their own. Or, uh, and they were put into some orphan care. Other times they put them in jail because they just didn't know what to do with them. And God put on George Mueller's heart to start an orphanage for these kids. How many of you know that God cares for orphans? Amen. God put it on his heart to start an orphanage to care for the practical needs of those around him. And that was powerful. That moved me. I've always had a heart for kids and I've always had a heart for people in need. And so I was struck by that. But what got me even deeper was as Mueller described his reasoning, his motivation for doing this, it struck me. And I want to read it to you. 
Now, again, he's writing a long time ago, uh, so it's, it's, a little bit, it's a little bit not the way we would say it, but it's powerful. He said he had three reasons for establishing the orphan house. Number one, primary reason that God would be glorified through providing me the means so that it would be seen that it's not a vain thing to trust in him. And thus the faith of his children all around the world might be strengthened. Reason number two, I care about the spiritual welfare of the fatherless and motherless. Number three, I care about their temporal welfare, their basic needs. So we had three motivations. Primary one was that God would be glorified because people like you and me would see the way that God provided for George Mueller and for these orphans. And he'd see the way that he provided for them. And that our faith would be strengthened to know that God wants to provide for us. He said, I'm gonna go about something that seems impossible, something that seems very difficult, something that he had no power on his own to accomplish. He wasn't a rich man. He wasn't a well-connected man. He's like, I don't have the money to be able to do this. But he said, I'm gonna pursue this because I believe God is a provider. I believe God wants to provide. And I believe as I chronicle what happens with these orphans, that it would be a testimony to God's people that our God is a provider and that they would trust God to provide for them. The book of Revelation says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb, by what Jesus has done, and by the word of the testimony of the saints. So when we hear testimonies of the people of God and how God has come through, it gives us courage to overcome. It gives us inspiration. And so Mueller set out in his, in his autobiography, he chronicles all these stories of the ways that God came through. Through his work, he ended up with large orphan houses, which cared for 10,000 orphans in his life. When he started, there were only 3,000 orphans in all of Britain that were in orphanages. So through the five orphanages that he started, it was larger than anything else going on combined in the nation. 10,000 orphans, orphans cared for. But not only that, as he published the testimony of how God was providing, there was a generation whose heart was stirred by God's desire to provide and to care for the orphans so that within 50 years... Since Mueller began his work, there were at least 100,000 orphans cared for in England alone. So God puts this on his heart. He has no way to be able to fund this. And I just want you to know, when I'm talking about God providing, I'm talking about way more than just financial funds. Honestly, financial funds is too small a target. So don't think we've become a prosperity gospel church. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about God wants to provide relationships. God wants to provide open doors. God wants to provide strength. God wants to provide peace. God wants to provide children. God wants to provide finances. I mean, God wants to provide. Don't limit him to this one thing, right? So, so Mueller's publishing that and people are seeing it and they're like, God wants to provide. God wants to provide for me. I think God cares about these orphans. I'm gonna step out and do this. And 100,000 orphans were cared for. That's remarkable. So I'm reading through this book and I'm just struck again and again and again and again that God wants to provide. And God doesn't just want to provide for Hannah. God doesn't just want to provide for Moses or David or the apostle Paul. God doesn't just want to provide for you in a generic sense. God wants to provide for you. 
God wants to provide for me. And I love that the provision that God provided for George Mueller didn't just stop with him, but it was used to be a blessing to those around him. I love the provision, the way that God provided to Hannah through Samuel. You may or may not know this, but she committed Samuel to the Lord and the Lord raised him up as a prophet to the nation. And God used him mightily to bless the nation in his generation. So often the provision that God brings in our life is it, it does meet a need for us, but doesn't stop with us. It flows through us to be a blessing to others. So remember, this is important because your calling in the Lord is so important, so significant that it cannot be accomplished in human strength alone. Yes, you and I are called to work, but to fulfill your calling is gonna take more than your and my hard work. It's gonna take God's provision. God wants to provide. God wants to provide for you. God put a dream in George Mueller's heart. I wonder what dreams God is putting in hearts right now. I wonder what Hannah's are in our congregation or watching online that have experienced grief and anguish of this last year. And God is wanting to provide as we call out to him. And that brings us to our third point. The way that we access God's provision is through our prayers. You see that in the life of Hannah? The way she accessed the child that God wanted to give her was through her prayers. We see that in the life of George Mueller. We also see that in the book of James. James chapter four, verse two, he says it like this. He says, you do not have because you do not ask God. Now this scripture struck me because it told me that there are things in my life that I wish I had, but I do not have because I haven't asked God for them. That's like, man, that motivates me to want to pray. I want what God has for me. I want our church, I want us to have what God has for us. I want you to have what God has for you, amen? And so scripture teaches, and we see the examples of the saints, that it's through prayer that we access God's provision. And that there is provision that we don't have right now that God desires to give. When we pray and when we turn to him in prayer, like Hannah did and like Mueller did, you do not have because you do not ask God. That's why in this season of 21 days of prayer and fasting, we're encouraging everyone to identify their one big thing. And you can get one of these guides out in the lobby if you've not gotten one. If you're watching online, you can go to our website. There'll be a pop-up there with a link to the guide, but it will guide you through helping you identify one big thing, one area where you, like Hannah, are needing and looking to God to provide for, looking to break through in. And we're encouraging our life groups to pray into these things together. So we're trying to go after this, and I don't want you to leave today without knowing your one big thing. I don't want this opportunity to pass you by. I don't want you to be like, okay, that's cool, I just kinda got busy and forgot about all that. No, I'm wanting to stop us today. And I want you to have your one big thing because I want you to be able to taste and to see and to experience God as a provider and God providing for you and God providing for you through your prayers. And I'll tell you a secret ambition that I have uh, for us as a church 
is that I have an ambition that there would be so many things in the life of our church that we could look like Hannah looked at Samuel and say, because I asked the Lord for that. Because I asked the Lord for that. Because God provided for that. You may or may not know this, but you're sitting in a sanctuary that at one time was a thought and a dream, and we needed God to provide for it. We needed to raise a lot of money. And we were coming down to the wire of when we were gonna need the money, and some of you who are here in the church in those days, you remember. And I had people texting me with, hey, what are we gonna do if it doesn't happen? And I'm like, I'm gonna ignore those texts because I don't know, I am going to the Lord. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So we called for 21 days of prayer like we're in now. And in those 21 days, we just saw so much financial provision given as God provided through his people. And where you sit today is one of those things that is a Samuel. that we say, because we prayed for that, because we asked for that. Those of you that are watching online, when the pandemic hit uh, in the spring, I mean, we, we were not a video venue church or doing any live streaming or anything like that. And, and there were many days where we're like, how in the world, what are we gonna do? This is crazy. And you know what? God provided Stephen Murray. Stephen, if you're watching, you were God's provision. Stephen stepped up and said, hey, I can help you make the videos. And for the first few weeks, Stephen was the man behind the plan that allowed us to gather as a church online. Stephen and his wife, Katie, had a baby, which was awesome. But when they had the baby, we were like, I don't know what we do next. <laughs> Johnny, let's get out our iPhones, you know? Uh, there was one week where that was what we had. And God provided. And I just want to go through, because if you're watching online, you are benefiting from the provision. So many Samuels, and I just want to name a few. Uh, Josh Manning, uh, who is a graduate student in the area of lighting. And he's helped us with our lighting so that we can communicate clearly online. Uh, Ashley Hambrick back there, if you give Ashley a wave. So many of the videos, so many of the live streams are made possible by her working with the lights. Kendrick Sonneman. Kendrick, I saw you here. This man, God's provision for us. Kendrick, Alex Britt. Alex is back there. She won't like us pointing at her, but Alex, we're going to wave. Thank you. Coleman, her husband, right over here on the camera. These are our Samuels. These are, Lord, you came through for us, people that know how to do stuff and do it well. Uh, Nate Hambrick, back in the back. Ian Bridgman, Jonathan Tikel, Jared Coulter, the pro presenter ninja. Thank you. Trey Ewing. Uh, I might have missed some others. If I didn't get you, we love you. And you are our provision. So if you're watching online, you are benefiting from Samuels. That at one point, we're just a prayer. Oh, God, please help us. What are we going to do? I've never been a pastor through a pandemic before. No idea how to do this, right? And God provided. When I look around our church, it's not just our story together. But I look and I see families. I see the Fishers and the Waldrums and the West, who your family is a living testimony. This is our Samuel. God provided. Look how he came through. So many of those. I see so many jobs. I see so many. Last year, uh, there were a number of people who came into the 21 days of prayer and fasting uh, saying, Lord, we're like Hannah. We're barren. We need a baby. And now there are babies that are born or on the way to being born that came as a breakthrough. I heard a testimony this week of someone last year whose one big thing was their uh, family member was an alcoholic and was really struggling and things are falling apart. So their one big thing was God do something in his life. 
And during the 21 days of prayer and fasting, that guy got sober, went to rehab, and has been sober for a year. So that's families being transformed through Samuel because we prayed for this. God provided. And we're going to finish out over the next two weeks our 21 days of prayer and fasting, and we're going to see more of those testimonies. I want to invite you to stand today as we close. We're going to sing a song about the Holy Spirit coming on us, because that's our theme, Holy Spirit come. And these prayers that God wants to put into your heart, these longings, these dreams, they're not of human origin. It's not just like one of us had a good idea one day and that's what came to pass. God wants to plant things from him in your life. And he wants to give you the power to pray with perseverance and he wants to provide. So as we sing this song, it's a cry of dependence and need on the Holy Spirit to be people who access God's provision and prayer and see it impact our lives and the world around us. So as I pray, we're gonna go into this song together. Jesus Thank you that you're a provider. Thank you that you want to provide for us. And thank you, God, that you, your appointed means is to provide for us through our prayers. And Lord, we need the power of the Holy Spirit because we are weak, we are fickle, we are easily distracted, easily discouraged, easily dismayed, Lord, but you are not. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon your people, you empower us for the things that you've called us to. So we call out to you, Holy Spirit, come and rest on us in a fresh way in these days in Jesus' name.